You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, that familiar passage of Scripture of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost on this Pentecost Sunday, beginning at verse 1, where Luke, who wrote both the Gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts, where Luke writes, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this opportunity now to study it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus kept telling the disciples, wait for it, wait for it. Something amazing is about to happen. Stay here in Jerusalem after I'm gone. Wait for it. I will send the advocate. I will send the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. Wait for it. And on the day of Pentecost, it happened. Pentecost. It's known as the birthday of the church. It's one of the high holy days of the New Testament. Interestingly, since it's not really a holy day that we tend to talk about in our country, for example, like we do Easter and Christmas, it's one of those holy days that doesn't really get the attention it deserves. But it's one of the four key events, Christmas, Good Friday, when Jesus dies on the cross, Easter, when he rises from the grave, and Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the people of God to be the church. God was birthing a God-breathed church. 
The breathing of God, the breath of God, is one of the ways of referring to the Holy Spirit. It's one of the reasons we sing songs like, Breathe on me, breath of God, or breathe. They're just songs that help us understand the outpouring of God's Spirit and the birth of the church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, and and what that word means is a calling out, a called out people. God is calling out of the world a people to be His people, a people to be the church that proclaims the gospel. Now, the day of Pentecost was actually an Old Testament holy day. It didn't begin in Acts chapter 2, but actually Pentecost, penta meaning five, or the Feast of Weeks, it's 50 days, for example, after the Passover, was an Old Testament celebration where all the people in and around Jerusalem would make the journey to Jerusalem for this high holy day. So one of the reasons then why in Acts chapter 2, Luke was telling us that there were people from all parts of the world who were living or staying in Jerusalem at the time because they had come to the temple, this house of God and the city of God, to celebrate this high holy day. And since Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead during the time of Passover, it's now 50 days later when Jesus has already ascended into heaven and now the Holy Spirit is poured out. Jesus had commissioned the disciples, calling you to be my church. As He said to Peter, on that faith that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, in Matthew 16, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus had said, I need you to be the church And now I'm empowering you to be the church. And God breathes on the disciples and the church is born. A God-breathed church. Now why is this important to God? Well, that familiar passage of Scripture that we share so often that we almost take it for granted is that God so loved the world. And since God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So when we look at the message of Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter, that whole story is important to God. And now with Pentecost, God is breathing on the church so we can tell that story, so that we can make disciples. When you so love someone, you'll do anything for them. When you so love someone, you want to be with them. When you so love someone, you want to make sure they had everything they possibly need You want to be in a relationship with them. And God so loves all of us that He wants the church to share this with the world. That's why Jesus gives us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Remember the Scripture right as Jesus is preparing to ascend into heaven. the last thing He says to us, which means it must be important. Jesus says, "'Go therefore.'" And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. It's the role of the church. It's the calling of the church. 
And Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1, so if you just back up one chapter and look at verse 8, Luke tells us that as Jesus is preparing to ascend into heaven just 10 days ago, that he says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses. Here in Jerusalem, the city, Judea, the region, Samaria, outside of Judea, and to all the ends of the earth. You are to be my witnesses, sharing what God has done, sharing this message from Genesis to Revelation, but sharing this message of those four key events of Christmas, why did God come and live among us? Why did He die for us? How God raised Him from the dead, and now the birth of the church, you're to tell that. Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. A God-called and a God-empowered church. A God-breathed church. But to be the church, we have to know our identity. What is the church? Who is the church? Why does the church even exist? The Apostle Paul shares a lot with us about the church. In 1 Corinthians, for example, chapter 12, verse 27, Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. That's who we are. We're the body of Christ. We're now the physical presence of Jesus Christ in the world today. We are different parts of the body, different members of the body. Some of us are the hands of Christ, the feet of Christ, the eyes of Christ, the ears of Christ. We are various parts of the body coming together, the body of Christ, individually members of it. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases that verse in the message. Peterson puts it this way, You are Christ's body. That's who you are. And you must never forget this. To think about we are the body of Christ, the people that God is calling. Now Peter, Peter puts it another way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says, you, us, the church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Do you catch that throughout the Scripture when we look at the calling of the church and the empowering of the church by the Holy Spirit? It's so that we can then share this message. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, so that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you. That is our role. We are the church, God's people. We are the church with a message for the world. Now, sometimes we get mixed up on what the church is. I remember growing up, and I still say it today, we're going to church, I need to go to the church, and that's because we're talking about the building. This building is actually a sanctuary. You're the church. We don't really go to church. We go to worship. We go to the sanctuary. We go to the Family Life Center, wherever we may be going. But you're the church. You're the church right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, 
you are still the church. One of our vows of membership, for example, is will you serve as Christ's representative in this world? Meaning wherever we are, whatever we do, whether we're at work, whether we're here in worship, whether we're on the ball field, whether we're in the stands watching our kids play on the ball field, whatever we're doing, wherever we are, we are always the church. And Peter had a message. When you look at the story of Pentecost, God pours out the Holy Spirit. The gift of Pentecost is the gift of hearing because they're amazed. Peter and the others stand up, start proclaiming Jesus Christ, and they're all going, wait a minute, these are Galileans who are speaking, and I understand what they're saying, and that's not my language. It would be like someone who was German, or uh, we've got churches in Bulgaria, Romania, or when I'm in Kenya, we have an interpreter. But imagine I go to Kenya, and I just start speaking in English, and those who speak Kikuyus and the Swahili, whatever it may be, are just understanding, going, how do we understand without an interpreter? But the Holy Spirit was interpreting the gospel so people could hear it. And the people gather around. They're amazed. God's doing something here. What's happening? And, and Peter, if you keep reading that scripture in Acts chapter 2, which I encourage you, spend some time today on the day of Pentecost with that scripture. Picking back up at verse 22, Peter says, You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourself know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Skipping on down to verse 36. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty, not, I think, maybe, perhaps. Let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah. This Jesus whom you crucified. There you go. There's the message. There's the thing the church has to hold on to. Now remember, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, I can build a church on that. And now Peter, standing before the very people that crucified Jesus, said, therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. At Weddington, we are shifting into a new phase of what does it mean to be the church. It seems like ever since I've been here, we've been dealing with some kind of a crisis, an issue, the economy tanked early on. Uh, we start plans. There are denominational issues, COVID, all kinds of stuff. We're ready to move forward and be the church that God is calling us to be. It's an exciting time, a time for us to really evaluate who is God calling us to be? 
What are we going to be as the church as we pray that God will breathe again? Breathe God. Make us a God-breathed church. One of the things that's important to us is worshiping God with passion. It's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the potential that soon we're shifting from the, the recorded sermon to and worship to live streaming where you're experiencing just last Sunday, for example, we were able to celebrate a baptism with a family with five children. Three of them were triplets, beautiful baptism. I can't wait for you to experience what all God does fully in our worship because we want to worship God with passion. Why? Because God has so loved us. And worship is a way we express that. I love the way David, David was a man after God's own heart. You remember David, the shepherd boy, David who becomes the greatest king in all of Israel. In Psalm 122 verse 1, David goes, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, worship is a privilege. It's not something we have to do. It's Sunday, we have to go to church. It's Sunday, I have the privilege of worshiping. It's Sunday, and I am invited into the house of God. It's Sunday, and God so loved me that He said, you can even call me Abba, which means Daddy, Papa. This intimate relationship, joining together to worship God is a privilege. And one of our goals as clergy, one of our goals as worship leaders and others, our goal and our task is to try to create an environment where you can have an encounter with God, where you can experience God. N.T. Wright, the great biblical scholar at Oxford, wrote a book called For All God's Worth, because worship actually comes from the word worthship. Worship. God is worthy to be praised and worshiped, so the book is for all God's worth. And in it he says, Worship is not an optional extra for Christians, a self-indulgent religious activity. It is the basic stance and indeed the truly human stance. He goes on to say, Worship is humble and glad. Worship forgets itself in remembering God. Worship celebrates the truth as God's truth, not its own. True worship doesn't put on a show or make a fuss. True worship isn't forced. It isn't half-hearted. Doesn't keep looking at its watch. Doesn't worry what the person in the next pew may be doing. But true worship is open to God, waiting for God. Trusting God, even the dark. And I love this line. Worship is nothing more than love on its knees before the beloved. Worship is nothing more than love on its knees before the beloved. So as a church, worship is so important to us. Because we are a God-breathed people and we join together to worship and praise our God. Worship is not about us, it's about God. But the other part of our mission and ministry in this church is that we are intentionally growing in our faith. Discipleship is a vital part of who we are. Did you catch Jesus' commission, go and make disciples? 
Not go and make a group of people who, yes, acknowledge who I am, but make disciples. A disciple is an apprentice. We're, we're called to be an apprentice of Jesus Christ, to learn from the Master, to follow the Master, become like the Master. So one of our goals here in this church as the church, as a God-breathed church, is to truly be a discipleship academy. And by that, I mean a people who study the Scripture and take it seriously. The Bible study is so vital to us, and that's one of the components of being a disciple, is studying God's Word. Jesus spent constant time studying the Word, teaching the Word, and Jesus is the Word, and we're going to study that together. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley said that he was homo unus libri, which means a man of one book. Now, obviously, he didn't take that literally because he's an Oxford professor. He studied and taught. He was so well-read and educated. But that one book is the source of who we are. Karl Barth Another great theologian said that we should have the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in the other. In other words, to understand what's happening in our world and to be able to relate to it and speak to it, you have the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in the other, because that's what influences. Now recently we've heard church leaders, some church leaders say that we need to adapt our doctrines and our scriptures to changing life circumstances Discipleship is adapting our lives to Scripture. Not adapting Scripture to our lives, but adapting us to be the people that God is calling us to be. The church, a called out people, not a blended in people, a called out people to be who God is calling us to be, proclaiming this gospel, the good news with grace. Did you notice at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit poured out, the, the disciples stood up and proclaimed Jesus Christ, and the gift was that people heard the message. There are so many people in our world that are hungry to hear something, to hear this message of, of God's deeds of power, as Luke put it. I mean, for example, keep looking in your Scripture at Acts chapter 2, Look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, as Peter had preached that, let it be certainly clear. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And so Peter then describes it. And in skipping on down to verse 41, it says, so those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added unashamedly Christian. That's who we are. It's what we're going to teach. It's what we proclaim. Jesus is Lord is a deal breaker. That is what we stand on. Now, some will scoff. You hear it in the scripture. You heard it there in verse 13. Oh, they're filled with new wine. Some will scoff. Others will be cut to the heart. Some 3,000 are saved. Skip on down to Acts 2 verse 47. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Those who were experiencing the saving, loving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our task to proclaim, to proclaim Christ so that day by day, more and more will come to experience this loving embrace. And humbly serving in love. We're the hands and feet of Christ. We're the body of Christ. 
Jesus cared for the poor. He cared for the marginalized. He ate with the tax collectors. He ate with the sinners. He didn't exclude from them. He became part of them so that they could become part of the body of Christ. And now we're that physical presence of Jesus Christ. And one of the things we really emphasize in this church is our local missions. We even now have have recently brought on our team a new local missions minister just to help us focus not only on how do we send money to various places, but how do we serve? How do we get to know people? How do we work alongside of people? How do we show that we love everybody in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Local missions, domestic missions, international missions. And one of the things that people want to know today, the church has lost a lot of its integrity and a lot of its ability in our world because one of the things people want to know is you talk about helping the poor, you talk about being there to reach out to those who are hungry, providing clothes for those without. Do you really do it? And we are a church that will take that seriously. Matter of fact, we just had long conversations this week about angel tree. I know it's early for Christmas, but where can we station? Where can we set up to collect all these? Because we collect so many angel gifts, gifts for children and others who will have nothing. We collect so much stuff. Where do we have the space? So we're renting trucks. We're just going to get space to where we can put and be in ministry and mission Because we're the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ in ministry and mission in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. I know some of you are listening to this as you're driving somewhere and you're almost there, so I want to wrap this up. We are a church who is excited about who God is calling us to be as a God-breathed church. covid Largely behind us now, thanks be to God. The denominational issues, largely behind us now, thanks be to God. It is time to pray, God, breathe on us again, because we have a world that God so loves, and they are depending on the church, you and me, us together, to be the church. And my prayer on this Pentecost Sunday is that God will breathe again And we will be, in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a God-breathed church. Amen.